How are you? Aren't our kids amazing? What about Sophie, guys? We Sophie. Um, yeah, you can clap. That that is the reason why we do not apologize for children's noises during our gatherings, whether it's the little people who are here who wander up to the front just to check out what's going on, or whether it's the screaming that happens from back there. Every time I hear them, actually, I just go, yes, Jesus, more, Holy Spirit. So if you hear them today and that bothers you, the moment you feel yourself get bothered, just say, Holy Spirit, be with our kids and teach them, because I'm loving what's happening back there. Anyway, good morning. Yeah, you're going to have to talk back to me. I'm a loud person. I tend to like other loud people. Um, it's true. My name is Dana, by the way, if I haven't met you. I'm married to Andrew Masters, who has spent the last couple of weeks walking us through this series that we're doing on obedience, one of my least favorite words in all of... Well, it's my favorite when I'm talking to my children. It's my least favorite when I'm talking about myself. Um, (laughs) So I think the first week we looked at how obedience is success, and for many of us, uh, success is other people's approval, our Instagram likes, or our tweet retweets, being adored or followed, and the Father wants to know, is his approval enough for us? Some of us discovered that we desperately needed the Father to change our definition of success. Week two, we looked at how obedience is scary. It's okay for us to admit that. It doesn't always feel good. Many of us use feelings of fear and trepidation to tell us where we should not go. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not going to do it. If it feels scary, I'm not going to do it. But when the Father asks us to do something, one of the ways you will know it's him is that a lot of times, as Andrew put it, it will scare the life into you, right? So this week, I'm not going to necessarily introduce a new concept like obedience is. This week, I'm just going to share a part of my own personal story and journey and obedience, okay? Some quick things about me, if this is our first time meeting. Hello, how are you? Um, I'm going to tell you some fun, quick facts. I am a musician. That's very significant for me to say right now, and you'll see why in a couple minutes. I'm a mother to three children that I had all within the space of 18 months. I know I'm amazing at it. Um, there's just peace always in my home. It looks like an Instagram photo shoot. I have two twin boys who are four. They're incredible. They're full of life. And my six-year-old daughter, who's also incredible, full of life, and also thinks that she's my sister wife. So we're working on it. I'm not going to speak too long this morning because I do believe that the father wants to continue what he was doing last week. Um, with us, with the healing and speaking to us. So I'm not going to get in the way. Um, But while I'm speaking, I want you to listen knowing that no matter where you are this morning in your relationship with Jesus, whether you are following him wholeheartedly this morning, whether you have fallen out with him, as some of us do, or whether you've been dragged here by a friend or a parent, or whether you've shown up this morning because you're just curious about him and his church, I want you to listen this morning knowing that, and knowing that he wants to meet with you, that he wants to speak to you, and he wants to show you his goodness, okay? So can I tell you a little bit about myself, other than those fun facts and how I'm a great mom? 
I, uh, I grew up not here. I know. It's hard to tell. I grew up in the deep south of America in a family that was incredibly broken and yet incredibly powerful. You see, my family story is one of heartbreak and pain, but also one of great strength and tenacity. My grandmother, who was the backbone and the heart of our family, hands up if you got a granny who is like the boss. Yeah, and nope, okay, that's just me. My granny was the boss. My grandmother, who was the backbone and the heart of our family, was a uh, leading civil rights activist in our state. Her father, who would never publicly claim her, was a white man who had a family of his own and also fathered her and her two brothers. My grandmother was a half-white black girl with skin that looked like Andrew's after a few days in the sun, and red hair. And she decided to be an activist and to confront head-on the social injustice and systematic racism that existed um, in the South in that, that time. She marched with Dr. King, and one of our Supreme Court justices in America got his start by being her lawyer when her or her children, when she or her children were jailed for peaceful protest. My grandfather would often work 14-hour days in a factory to come home and sit on his porch all night with a shotgun to protect his family from the Ku Klux Klan, whom my grandmother had a bit of a habit of offending. So you can imagine the stories that we grew up with around our family dinner table. And to this day, every time I see my mom and my aunt together, they're sort of now the, the matriarchs of our family. I beg them to write it all down, to write a book, because it's just, you wouldn't believe it. It's ridiculous. But they won't do it. They say they're going to do it. I know they're not going to do it. Because these stories have only ever been told one way, around our dinner table. That's how we pass on traditions in the black culture. But with these stories as my example, it's no surprise that as a child, I can remember wanting to change my world when I grew up. I feel like I had big shoes to fill. It was in my destiny. And like my granny or Dr. King and the countless others I was taught to adore, I saw myself, if I'm honest, in, in secret rooms with world leaders, casting vision and implementing global changes. I mean, when I was seven, that's how I saw myself. I, I had a lot of confidence. But I don't remember wanting to be a musician. I mean, I sang, but what kid doesn't sing? You know, I pretended to be whoever was the Britney Spears of my day all the time, but that's like a game that you played. I don't remember uh, fantasizing about being a singer. For one, I was surrounded by better singers than me on all sides, so I never really thought it was an option that I could do it. But if I'm honest, I didn't really think it was significant enough work. I didn't even really like musicians growing up. I just didn't. They weren't my friends. Sorry for any musicians. I like people who show up on time to things. Just kidding. Just kidding, James. Love you. Love you. Mean it. Also, do you know the probability of success within the music industry? Real low. Real low. I like to succeed. It's one of my things. I like to do things that I'm going to be like, yep, did it, nailed it. Okay. I don't like to attempt things I don't know for sure won't work out. 
So imagine my frustration when I began slowly to realize over the course of my life that being a musician is exactly what the Father had been preparing me for since I was a small child. And it was what he was asking me to do. I did what any good Christian did, would do. I ignored him for as long as I possibly could. But when that still small voice became clear and clear, and I realized that he wanted me to go all in, embrace being a creative, a songwriter, a singer, a cultural prophet, if you would. I have to put some spin on it to make it sound really good. I was not impressed, to put it mildly. I didn't talk to him for a long time. I'm not joking. I loved Jesus. I just wasn't having lots of conversations with him because I knew what he was going to say. And I was, if I'm honest, I was hurt. I was hurt because it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't my dream. So when I finally started speaking to him again, this is what I said. I'm not joking. This is exactly what I said. I remember it very well. I don't want to do this. I want to do something successful and significant. I want to do something big. I'm not talking about Beyonce big. I want to be Mother Teresa big. Martin Luther King Jr., big. Nelson Mandela, big. I don't want to entertain people. I don't want to be, and I remember saying this. I told Andrew, start laughing at me. He's like, dramatic much? Um, I don't want to be a jester in the king's courts. I want to be the king. I said that to Jesus. Basically, I want to do what makes me feel good, and you're supposed to exist to make me feel good, Jesus. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that what you promised me, that I would feel good? So I'm here to tell you this morning that basically I'm super spiritual and have this whole thing figured out. Let's stand and pray together. Just kidding. Anyway, eventually I did say yes because he asked me, not for any super spiritual reasons, he asked me. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to be really real with you. I, I love him deeply. I love Jesus deeply. And I know in my core that he'll love, love me no matter what. I've experienced his love. I've tasted his goodness in my life. And so I said yes, but I was not happy about it. I was not happy. I say yes the way my kids say yes when they know they don't really have a choice to do anything else. Do you know that? You know that, that, yeah, yeah, the attitude where you're like, fix your face. I say that to my kids all the time. Fix your face. You better pretend like this makes you happy. Just kidding. So I said yes begrudgingly, and that's okay. Because what I'm going to say next is not really a popular thought. We don't hear it a lot in churches because sometimes I think those of us who love Jesus and maybe those of us who stand up here often and, and talk to you guys, sometimes we forget that we're not God's car salesman trying to get you to buy this incredible, shiny faith by hiding from you all the parts that could make you uncomfortable? No, what I'm about to say, it may not settle well in your emotions. You might not like it. But I bet you'll find that if you just stay open to it, it will settle just right in your heart and your spirit. You see, 
I realized that God didn't ask me to be thrilled with his call for my life. He just didn't. He asked me to be obedient. And this morning I want to ask you, what if God doesn't need you right now to be thrilled with whatever he's asking you to do? What if he just wants you to be obedient? Can I read you a part of a story that many of us know well, even if we didn't grow up in church? We've, we might have heard this. The story of the virgin girl who became pregnant with the Son of God. And I want to pick up the story here in Luke 1. This is uh, how it starts. In the sixth month of Elizabeth, that's Mary's cousin, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel, angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Gabriel's the angel of the Lord. He said, good morning. You're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out. God be with you. Anybody else getting suspicious? I feel like when somebody's complimenting me that much, you just want to be like, what do you want? What is it? She was thoroughly shaking. She was afraid, wondering what was behind the greeting like that. Mary was just like the rest of us. She was suspicious. She was like, I ain't, I ain't that beautiful. What do you want? But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. Um, that may not be good news. If I said to you, God has a surprise for you, that you're like, mm, what kind of surprise? I'm still suspicious. And he said, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call him Jesus. He will be great, be called the son of the highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will rule Jacob's house forever. No end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, uh, but how? I've never been with a man. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy, Son of God. And Mary said, after this, the angel said one more thing to her. He said, nothing you see is impossible with God. And the angel said to the angel, yes, I see it all now. I'm the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. And then the angel went on his way. You see, that's the beginning of that crazy story, that crazy journey that Mary went on. She went on later to give birth to this baby. She did marry Joseph. There's a whole story. You should read it. It's incredible. But if Mary was a sane individual, and I think it's safe to assume that she was, she did not spend her free time growing up dreaming of being an unwed mother. That probably wasn't her thing, right? She didn't, like, fantasize about that moment when her family would ask her after she told them, um, guys, I'm pregnant, and then he, they would say to her, but who's the daddy? Mary. 
And she would be like, um, God, I feel for her because my kids sometimes when they do silly things, um, I say, who told you to do that? And one of them would be like, Jesus? And you're like, Jesus don't tell you to punch somebody in the face. Do you know what I mean? Like that mom was just to be like, um, God, God did this, guys. That wasn't on her bucket list. What about Jonah? Do you guys remember the story of Jonah? Jonah was asked by God to go to uh, Nivea to tell the people their message from God. He ended up running away, got into this massive storm in a boat, got thrown overboard, swallowed by a whale, all because he was not feeling that particular call. He was like, "Mm, not in my dreams. That don't make me feel good. No, thank you. What about Moses? Moses got to talk to God through a burning bush, y'all. I'm like trying to be like, hey, can you just, can you turn it up sometimes, Jesus? What? What do you want me to do? There's a burning bush, and God is just talking to him in a bush. Couldn't be more obvious. Couldn't be more obviously God. And Moses was like, mm, no, thank you. Doesn't sound like me. You know, it's just not, I don't think. That's for somebody else. Somebody else is a bush here for you. Thank you. Guys, when I read the scripture, there's two things that I find that are contradictory to sometimes the way I was brought up in religion. The first one that I love, and I'm so glad I found this out later in my life, God is in a really good mood. He's like really happy. He's not, he's not annoyed all the time. He's not like scowling all the time. He's in a good mood. All right? The second one is, I'm reading the scriptures, and I realize that he doesn't seem to require us to like what he's asking us to do. It's just not one of the requirements. Some of us have been waiting for God to present us with this, an acceptable option for our life. Right? Almost like there's some sort of kingdom version of the Tinder app. Anybody? The young people know what I'm talking about. You older people, you just stay with me. But when God speaks, we don't get the option of swiping left to find a more palatable scenario. I don't know if it's left or right. I really, I've never used Tinder. I've just, I just made one up, so I don't know. You see, the fulfillment that I know you long for, because it's the human condition, we all long for this. The fulfillment that we all long for, the peace that we are desperate for, The joy and the contentment that is not determined by outside circumstances, that sense of purpose and significance, all of that, you can have it. But in the kingdom of God, it's found on the other side of obedience. So I'll finish my story here. So I obeyed. I obeyed. I decided, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm a musician. Uh, I started setting my clock back so I would be late to everything and got real emotional and told everybody about my feelings all the time. I'm totally joking. I'm totally joking. But God was very clear, or I was very clear with God that I didn't think this was a good idea. But guys, something crazy happened when I started to walk in that obedience. 
When I began to take the risk it took to do what he had designed for me, that calling, that thing he asked me to do that once disgusted me, that once terrified me, that once broke my heart, now delights me. I love what I do. I love what I do. And it's not without its sacrifice, and I I still deal with the fear of failure on a daily basis, but the thing that God asked of me that once intimidated me, I now carry with authority most days, because hello, this is real life, right? Can I tell you another story? So recently, before, before Christmas, I launched a new EP. For anybody who doesn't know, that's like a, a recording with like four or five songs on it. Every song I wrote, I poured my heart and soul into it in a way that I'd never have because it was my act of obedience. And every time I write a song or do a gig or go on tour right now, it's an act of obedience. And leading up to this night where I was supposed to launch this EP, I felt like never before a sense of the Holy Spirit, a sense of purpose. Um, And I spent weeks, I just couldn't help myself just praying and weeping over whatever the Father was doing. I just had this sense that he was so active in this. So I just knew it was going to go awesome. It's going to be amazing. Thank you for laughing. (laughs) She knows what happened. So I woke up on the morning of this EP launch, this gig that I was doing in Belfast, and I had zero voice randomly out of the blue. I don't really suffer from that. That's happened to me once a couple of years ago. I had zero voice, not like a little bit. I had nothing, nothing. Cue my downward emotional spiral. I wish I could tell you I was like, I believe in Jesus. I, was, I just spiraled out emotionally. I think Andrew was like, kids, let's leave. It's not safe here. But I just thought to myself, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Right? Bad attitude, Dana, right here. I was like, okay, I'm going to let you have it. And I started talking to Jesus. I'm so glad he is gracious because um, I got real bold with Jesus. I was like, are you kidding me? We did all that work. We did all that for me to get to this moment of, of obedience. And this? Really? And then I said something you probably should never say to God. I was like, if you recall. Yeah, you should be careful asking God what he should recall. Because he recalls a lot more than you do. But uh, I said, if you recall, I did not even want to do this. This wasn't my idea. And then I said this. I said, I'm here because you asked me to and I obeyed you. This isn't even my dream. Right? And the moment I just said that thought, that last word, this isn't even my dream. The Holy Spirit and his grace surrounded my heart. I could still feel what it was like to shield me from my own panic long enough to whisper to me, exactly, so why are you worried? 
Ah, I can still cry. That hit me. So why are you worried? This wasn't your idea. This doesn't belong to you. It's mine. Immediately, I felt the Holy Spirit breathe even more boldness, but in the opposite way, into my own spirit. And Andrew, I was still in the bed. I was still sitting up in my bed, leaning against the pillows, and, and Andrew was sitting on the edge of the bed. And he was saying, I think, I think you need to cancel. I think you need to cancel this. Like, no show is better than a horrible show. That's how bad I sounded. And you should know this. In our whole relationship, Andrew has always known what my calling was, even when I was in denial. And he never fought me on it. He never pushed me. He never did anything. Even when I know he was silently frustrated trying to wait for me to figure this out. And when I finally said yes, he shifted and still shifts his entire life. He puts himself out. He makes himself uncomfortable to support me as I follow Jesus. I mean, basically when it comes to music, my leg could be falling off and Andrew will be like, good thing you don't sing with your foot. See you at the show, you know. So for him to say, I think we need to cancel, I knew it was, it was bad. But in my panic and my fear, I could still hear the voice of God in me saying, this is it. You've heard the stories. You've told the stories. Are you ready to live the story? Are you ready to trust me? And I used those words that that young, that young Mary used. Okay, I see it now. I'm the Lord's servant, ready to serve. Let it be with me just as you say. This isn't my thing. So I said to Andrew, I'm not going to cancel. If it's a sickness, God can heal it. If it's an attack from the enemy, well, God's given me authority over that too. We're just going to do it. Long story short, that night I did my gig with my voice intact, and it was the best show that I've ever done. And I learned, and then right after it was done, I had no voice again. It was very strange. And I learned something that day, and I want you guys to hear this. The weight of the kingdom will get behind those who walk in obedience. The weight of the kingdom is behind those who walk in obedience. And just so you know, because I know that it's easy to hear, God's going to ask you to do something and you're going to hate it, right? But just so you know, I just want to tell you this. On the other side of my obedience, I have never felt, for lack of better word, happier. I have never felt this deep of a sense of contentment that I have right now today of peace. I am no longer a slave to fear of public opinion in my life and of myself. And I have an intimacy with Jesus that I only dreamt about for years. My spirit is alive. I hear the voice of God. I don't want to be anywhere else doing anything else. But that came on the other side of obedience. Andrew talked last week about obedience being scary. 
And I, before I ever knew I would do this talk for you, if, what, Andrew was going to do this whole series, and he's out of time, so he said, I need you to speak on this day. This wasn't necessarily planned months in advance. Um, and I had told this story to another group of people a few, a couple months ago, and he said, I think you need to do that one. Andrew last week talked about obedience being scary. And when I did my show in Belfast that night, I did something really, really scary. I've been singing in front of crowds for ages. I can do that, no problem. Give me a microphone, let's do it. Um, I, uh, to say I play the piano would be like to say to Usain Bolt, I also run. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can run, but I should not be running beside him. Do you know what I mean? So, uh... I wrote this song, a really simple song, and uh, it was suggested to me, you need to play that on your own, on the keyboard. I was like, ah, get out of my face. You're foolish, whoever it was. And, uh, but I ended up doing it because I realized that for me, it was just another act of obedience to say, this isn't about me. It's not about me saving face. Uh, what do you want to do here? And so I'm going to take a minute, and I'm going to sing that song for you, and then we're going to make room for what the Father wants to do here this morning, okay? Um, can you guys hear me? Good. You've been asking me to do this. Told you I would get to it But you and I know the truth is I'm terrified It was so easy just pretending Playing it safe and never risking I just wish I knew the ending I'm terrified And now I'm coming out of hiding no more running, no more fighting I'm putting it all on the line and I'm terrified And they say courage ain't fearless Oh, but it has to be selfless And I know I ain't dead, I'm terrified Oh
I'm terrified. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Some of us have been dreaming our own really good, awesome dreams. But there could be a little, still, small voice in the corner of your mind that's getting clearer and clearer and leading you to a place where you are going to have to choose soon whether you obey. And I don't know, guys, what sea he's going to ask you to part. I don't know what people he's going to send you to liberate. I can't tell you what battle he will ask you to fight. But I do know this, when you follow Jesus, he is going to ask you. And I also know that when he asks you, to you, it's going to seem impossible and ridiculous and just not like something you can accomplish. And I know that it probably won't be the thing that you would have chosen or the way that you would have chosen to go about it. I'm going to invite the band to come back up here this morning, and we're just going to make some room for the Father to speak to us this morning. We're going to keep it quiet, no music, just for the next couple minutes. As I was praying this morning, I felt the Father highlight some, some specific situations. And as I say those situations, I'm going to ask you to stand up if any of those pertain to you. But I want to say this before I do that. This is a safe room. There's no one in this room who has it all together, including the people you've seen up on the stage. We don't perform for each other, and we don't keep up appearances in this place. We're going to take a moment without the music to invite the voice of the Father to speak over us this morning. It's a voice you can hear no matter where you are on your journey of faith this morning. And I just want to say this and I'll remind you of this. He's not angry at you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not disappointed in you this morning. Okay? He knows that some of us are afraid. He's watched as some of us have gotten ourselves into messy situations, trying to do life on our terms, chasing happiness and peace on our terms. And he has compassion for every single one of us this morning. So go ahead and close your eyes. Let down your defenses. Show your true self to your father. Yeah. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. So here are the three circumstances. You can keep your eyes closed if that helps. I felt like the Father was reminding me of when we were kids and we didn't want to hear something. And you would put your hands over your ears and you go, la, 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 while someone was speaking to you. You know what I mean? And I felt like the Father was saying some of us have been doing that with him. We felt like we 
had to block out his voice because we thought, we think, we, I know what you're going to ask me, and I'm not ready, and I don't want to do it. And I felt like the Father was just saying gently, this morning is for you. This morning is your morning. He loves you. He's not trying to get you to live a horrible life. That you can unblock your ears this morning. You can take your hands down this morning. And if that's you this morning, I want you just to be really brave and go ahead and just stand to your feet. The second situation I saw um, while I was praying for you guys, I was reminded of stories in the scripture where God had parted the sea that actually happened a couple of times so that his people could walk across. One time, the first time he did it, they were running from total annihilation, and the second time he did it, they were walking into the promised land that God had given to them. And it's funny because I feel like the Father reminded me that everyone seems to say the first step is the hardest. And a friend of mine the other day said, that's actually not true. If you picture those Israelites standing on the shore, the shore, the, the waters had parted. They put that first foot into what used to be the ocean and was now dry land. They were still a little bit safe, you know, because they had that last foot on the shore. They weren't completely in where the ocean had been. And I thought the Father was saying to me, some of you have heard the voice of God. You've put your foot in that impossible situation, but you still have one foot back on the shore. And for you, that second step, that complete and total surrender is the hardest step. If that's you this morning, I want you to go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand. You can stand at any stage for any of these situations, by the way. You don't miss, you won't miss it. And the third one, I felt like the Father was speaking to me was, you've said yes to Jesus and you're walking in obedience towards a God-sized kingdom calling and you've hit a rough patch. You've had a, I woke up and I lost my voice moment. A moment that makes you doubt everything you heard. Was I crazy when I said yes to this? I want you to stand right now. I want you to stand because I'm going to pray over you. That's also for anybody who's hit a place where you feel like there's really practical obstacles in your way of following Jesus. I have this sense that uh, for some of you, you want to you hear the voice of God, you want to follow him, but there's these real practical obstacles, some like money or childcare or a car. I want you to go ahead and stand up. And then I want you to stand if you're saying this morning, you know what? I just want more of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I just want more Jesus in my life. Go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. And we're going to pray. Yeah. If you feel comfortable, you can put your hands out in front of you like this. But nothing magical is going to happen because you do that. It's just a physical sign that says, I'm ready for whatever the Father wants to give me this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome you. And Father, we say yes. We say yes to you. We say yes if it hurts this morning. 
We say yes through the terror and the fear. We say yes through not knowing what the next step even is. We say yes this morning. And Father, right now, situations where there's not enough money, there is no one to take care of the kids, the car has broken down, all while we're trying to be obedient, I just speak to those situations in the name of Jesus. And they, I say, be resolved in the name of Jesus. Be resolved in the name of Jesus. This isn't our thing. This is your thing, Father. These are your dreams. And we are your servants. Let it be with us as you have said. We belong to you. James is going to lead us in a song. We're going to worship. And as we worship, we're going to continue to commit. Give Jesus our yes. Some of you right now are being healed. Some of you for the first time are feeling um, an odd sensation, like maybe your hands are getting warm, your body feels warm, something's tingling. Some of you will feel this overwhelming urge to cry, just to weep. That is okay. All of those things are the Holy Spirit. There's freedom here. You do what you need to do. Quietly, if you have children and big party and little party, go ahead and get them and bring them in here. We're going to continue doing this. James is going to lead us. We're going to do a soft close this morning. That just means we're not going to turn on the party music right away. We're going to be respectful of what the Father is doing in this space. If you want someone to pray with you this morning, we'd love to do that. Would you just come further up to the front? And we'll have some of our um, tribe leaders, some of our staff team come up and pray with you. I also want to invite you who identified yourself as you're in a place, you're obeying Jesus, and it got, it's getting really hard. I want you to come and I want you to pray over some people this morning. I truly believe there was something about the authority of the kingdom being behind you this morning. So if you would like prayer, come on up. For the rest of you, it was so lovely to see you. And we will see you throughout the week and definitely see you back here on Sunday. Be blessed and have a great week.